Don't think too hard. I want your first reaction. Is Bryson DeChambeau the new face of golf? Chris, ready, go. The new face of golf? No. Is he replacing Ricky Fowler as the face of Cobra? I'm more leaning towards yes on that. We have Harry, Chris, and Tony here this week. Everybody wave. Hello. Cheers. Cool. Let's get it. We're going to jump right into our first topic this week. Tony, you wrote on it, but the Top Flight Gamer Ball is back. A lot of people might not have known that it was gone, but my question is, and Tony, I'll let you start, is this the poor man's Pro V1? No, not really. I mean, it's it's one of those things, right, where... It's for a guy who kind of sort of wants something maybe a little bit like a Pro V1, but doesn't want to pay for a Pro V1. So it's, I mean, you start right with the with the cover. The new Top Flight Gamer, which is more in line with the original Top Flight Gamer, is an ionomer cover ball. So Serlin, they snuck an ionomer or a urethane cover ball in between the two. It wasn't good, wasn't durable. So they're like, let's get out of here. We'll pretend that didn't happen. Go back to to a three-piece ionomer ball, which they claim is premium ionomer. I've talked about this before. It's really, you know, I don't think there should be such a thing as premium ionomer, but it's that that category that's typically around $35 a dozen, like your your ERC soft and your Callaway or uh, the, the softball in that category from Titleist. And, and really, you know, it's a price play. And so for, for top flight, slash Dick Sporting Goods to come into that category at $22.99 and say, hey, yeah, we have this this premium ionomer ball for significantly less than the other premium ionomer balls. That's going to be intriguing. Plus, you have a lot of golfers who, who have fond memories of the gamer and, and love it. And I know Dick sells a ton of them. So why not, I guess? Harry, what do you think? The top flight gamer, is it the poor man's Pro V1? I think it's an option. Um, I don't <laughs> think it's going to be... A replacement of the Pro V1. It's got some unique things to it, like the dimple pattern that looks like it has acne, uh, because it has the, it has the the uh, acne uh, the acne. It has the dimples, and then it has like a, an extra ring inside it. So dimple and dimple, yeah, dimple and dimple. Yep. So uh, I don't know if that's a good thing for lift and drag uh, when and and spin rates, but it looks cool. Uh, it looks different. Um, and top flight need to be different if they're gonna m- make a ball that's that's gonna stand out a little bit. Why not have it let it have acne? You know, <laughs> <laughs> Chris. What do you think? <laughs> do you think um, the top flight gamer is the poor man's Pro V1? I think it has perfectly concentric acne. Is what I think now, based <laughs> on what Harry said. I, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that it is, and and the argument would be this: is that, you know, really as Tony alluded to in, in the ball category, to keep it simple, you got two different categories. You have urethane covered balls, which are for all intents and purposes are tour uh, tour level balls, and then you have an ionomer or Serlin covered ball, which are not tour balls. And the biggest difference is you're not going to get a lot of the green side performance and spin characteristics in a Serlin ball that you're going to get in a urethane ball. So you really have to think, okay, here are the two categories. And obviously one that's performance-based is going to have probably higher prices. The other one that is more preference-based is going to have a little bit lower prices. So within that lower price Serlin category, that's where the Top Flight Gamer is, is it one of the better options in that space 
that retained somewhat similar characteristics to maybe some of the lower end balls in the urethane space. It's not there. It's not going to jump that great divide because it doesn't have the same materials, but it's definitely a good option in that price point, um, you know, category with Serlin covered balls. Okay, well, Tony, you also put out the Snell Ball Lab this week. If you haven't read that article, check this link that we're going to give you here. Um, go take a look at it. But it did really well. So very quickly, I want each of you to tell me whether the Snell or the Top, fi- top Flight Gamer, if you had to pick, would be the poor man's Pro V1. Yeah, it's it's the Snell. And I would, for sure. I mean, again, it's you know similar construction, three-piece, right? Uh, urethane cover, which is the big differentiator in my mind. So, you know, if I'm going to pick two and say which one is is a closer to being a poor man's Pro V1, you start with the ball that's closest to the Pro V1 in, in design and construction. And so, you know, I would go with the Snell MTBX there. And, and the thing I would add specific to Ball Lab, we only found, you know, in our sample, one major defect, about 50% had a had minor defects, the kind of stuff it's observable, but probably unlikely to, to cause a performance problem. So in my mind at that price point, like that is probably the prototype, the, the textbook example of what you should expect there from a, from a quality and, and performance standpoint. And there's some difference price-wise for sure with that in the top flight, uh, gamer. But if, if I'm performance focused if, if that's kind of my key thing versus price then yeah I'm, I'm going snell mtbx all day all right chris snell or top flight um the answer is how much is ten dollars worth to you and so <laughs> if it's you know if ten dollars is worth a lot to you then it's uh you know then it's the gamer carry the one tony add the four drop the three divide by two and there you go but yeah the mtbx is most similar in terms of construction material obviously dean snell's pedigree um background so on and so forth it's (laughs) origins yeah origins i mean it's uh it's unquestionably uh the closer of the two the biggest difference right is is that price point you know roughly ten dollars a dozen or so and if that ten dollars a dozen is the absolute deal breaker for you you know, then it's the top flight gamer. If that $10 isn't, and again, considering at, uh, you know, what do we say, Tony, it was a 3% cost adjustment basically for for the true price of the MTBX. So you're still in that $33 per dozen uh, range at a true cost. That's still a good 15, 20 bucks less potentially than, uh, than the Pro V1. So that's my uh, rambling answer. Harry, what do you think? Top flight or Snell? Depends on what you want around the greens. If you want a little bit of feel around the greens, you go Snell. If you don't care about that or don't know how to generate spin or feel around the greens, then you're looking at top flight for less money. It's That's the way I would decipher it. Can I feel it around the greens? Can I not? And then there's your answer. All right. That was a good one. So are we ready for the hot seat? Yay, everybody get ready. That was weird. Woo. Nobody's ready for the hot seat? I, All right, we'll I do am that now. Way, then. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Enthusiasm. <laughs> hung me out Bring to dry. It. Jeez. Go, yeah. Bring it. Okay. Seat's getting this hot. This week's hot seat. Don't think too hard. I want your first reaction. Is Bryson DeChambeau the new face of golf? Chris, ready, go. Purple. Oh, okay. There you go. The new face of golf? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Tony, is Bryson the new face of golf? 
at the moment, yes, but I mean, it's it's subject to the whimsy of the winds, if you will. Like we see this, right? It, he's what's hot at the moment because he he just won a major and he's bombing the ball. But if if somebody else does it tomorrow and and sort of moves past Bryson for ten minutes, that'll be the new hot thing. And if all of a sudden Tiger starts you know playing well, forget about everybody else. I mean, that's just how it goes. So yeah, no. Hey, no. No. You not. said yes, then you said no. It's yeah. I feel like it's it's. I guess yes, but like I said, for no. now, but maybe for now, but maybe not for long. All right, Harry, give us a clear-cut answer. Is Bryson DeChambeau the new face of golf? No. Tiger basically developed the game of golf for years and years and years. Bryson has, yes, he's come up with some inventions, blah, blah, blah. But I still don't like Bryson when he backs chats to the rules officials about stupid ants. Like, that just to me is not the face of golf. Golf is being good at golf and and making it look easy, and also having etiquette on the course. That's to me as golf. Okay, well, this the hot seat brings me into my next topic. I want to know whether or not he's the face of golf. Is he replacing Ricky Fowler as the face of Cobra? I'm more leaning towards yes on that. Um, and, and here's the reason is that, uh, you know, the face versus like wearing a mask, like it's kind of that short term, long term idea. Um, and, and Bryson's definitely the mask of golf right now. And that might, mask might change in a couple of weeks. But I think what you have to consider is right now in this moment, when you uh, again, when people associate golfers with equipment to whatever degree they do that a lot more people are talking about Bryson right now than they're talking about Ricky. Um, and so almost it's kind of a de facto conversation that he's just in the news more. He's just in the media more. There's more to talk about. I mean, he's winning tournaments, winning big tournaments, being involved and in, in, in playing well in big tournaments. Um, I think that that tide could change very, very quickly. I think there's more, uh, obviously, from a likability perspective, from a marketing perspective. Ricky has a lot more to offer uh, consistently. That's why Ricky's been, you know, has gotten into that position. So if Ricky, let's say, plays well at the Masters or gets on a two, three tournament run, that tide could turn very quickly. But as of right now, today, um, I would have to give Bryson the nod on that. All right, Harry. What do you think after the U.S. Open win? Do you think he's replacing Ricky Fowler as the face of Cobra? I thought Tony Covey was the face of Cobra. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He is a Puma. What is it? Puma? Puma? Puma Cobra. Definitely Puma. Puma. I do Um, not have a thread of Puma on me right now. No, you do not. When I think of Cobra and Puma, I think of Ricky. And I don't think of Bryson. Because Cobra and Puma have that style which reminds me of Ricky Fowler. It's laid back, it's chill, it's out there a little bit with some styles. That is Ricky. When I think of Bryson, it's me hit ball, me hit ball long. <laughs> and it's scientific. Caveman Bryson. And, yeah, caveman. So, so and it's scientific. meets science. <laughs> yeah. Bryson, caveman scientist. When it comes to Cobra, I wouldn't say, I, I know the technology is great, but when I think of a branding between Cobra and Puma, it's style and authenticity. I don't think it's quite there with Bryson. Okay, I want an open discussion on this one. 
So we don't have to take turns answering this. Whoever gets to it first and then everybody can react. But do you think we can go as far as saying he's replacing Tiger Woods as the face of Bridgestone? No, 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 no. not even no. close. No, no I mean, chance. I, mean, I think, I think that no chance. The, Harry hit the single far. biggest example, right? Like if you <laughs> if you want to try and put this in some real world terms, last year I can't remember precisely the first time they did it, but Bridgestone takes their Tour B XS ball, the one Tiger plays. They stamp Tiger on it, and they sell a metric shit ton of them. Right? For they, five bucks more. Five for, bucks yeah, more right, per dozen. charge for the word, word Tiger on a golf ball, right? Yeah. Same ball, mm-hmm. different box, <laughs> Tiger stamp, $5 more, and they and they can't keep them in inventory. If if they were to change the box of the Tor BXS, stamp Bryson on it, or, or maybe they put some sort of weird scientific equation on it, I think sales do not change at all. So, yeah, on on that side, like, I think I think if if you're to project three years, five years forward, Bryson is going to win a, a lot more than Tiger is. But it's just the marketing power isn't there right now, and so no, you know, he's he's at this point he's not the face of Bridgestone, and I don't even think he's the face of uh, Cobra Puma yet either. So. Yeah, I think Ty. I mean, yeah. Tiger's the needle till he doesn't want to be the needle. Um, you know what what he's built up over. I mean, God, what the last twenty three years? I mean, two decades plus. You have to think of all that as kind of like marketing capital, right? Bryson doesn't have that. He has he has maybe a year or two of marketing capital, and 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 Tiger Woods, you know, the largest global athlete that the game has ever seen. And so we're we're trying to compare, you know, foothills to Mount Everest. You know, certainly Bryson's a nice player and all of those things, but from a marketing, branding, logo perspective, he—I mean—he's just starting a journey that Tyser, you know, that that Tiger's like on lap twenty-eight on. I mean, he's just so far down the road that, um, yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Tiger, Tiger's the needle until he's dead. And yeah. then somebody's still going to find a way to make money off the holograms, and still he'll be like the <laughs> he'll be the guy you want on your roster. Like you want, like hey, if, if Ricky Fowler is number two, like Tiger's hologram is still the needle mover. So yep, yeah, and Bryson's yelling at a rules official around ants. So <laughs> is what it is. Yeah, I don't think it's a debate. I think it's a purely no. Uh, Bryson just. Is he doing good things in golf? Yes. Is he gonna ever overtake Tiger? No, because when we grow, when we grew up, we saw Tiger come through all of those um, ladders and steps, and we saw him grow the game. Right now, I think the demographic is too young. When we think of the greatest players in golf, we think of Tiger, and we think of Jack Nicholas and Gary Player, all those guys. I never saw Gary Player or Jack Nicholas play. I just heard things. So I think until the new ones haven't seen Tiger play, I think Bryson might be the one that comes up through, but I don't I doubt it. All right. Moving on to our last topic of the day. I see these quite often, Harry, especially in soft goods, but also um in different types of clubs, putters, drivers, that sort of thing. I want to know why companies put out small batch releases and limited edition items. Is it because they think that they can't sell enough? Chris, why don't you start this one? That, that's tricky. Um, why do they do it? It's totally contrived. Uh, and, and, and that I don't mean that in a negative sense. Is that you're trying to, in a limited edition, small batch, whatever you want to call it, um, handcrafted, perhaps, 
you're trying to contrive value, right? So you're trying to create a situation that plays to a basic human emotion around, you know, wanting to have something that other people don't or can't. I mean, it's as old as commerce. I mean, it, it's just a fundamental reality of buying and selling things is that if something is more exclusive, there's going to be a population that are willing to uh, willing to pay a premium for that. The potential criticisms of that are, you know, pretty obvious, right? If if it's a limited edition and, and it's a collectability kind of thing and it's this contrived value, great. Um, but if it's based on performance, if it's something like, hey, we're going to come out with this in a limited run, but it actually performs better, or if there's that performance aspect to it, then my question is always around that, well, if it's really a performance thing and you're a golf company, why wouldn't you want to make that performance available to as many golfers as possible? Are you just trying to make money or are you actually trying to advance a category? Um, and so I think there's some sticking points and, and, and certainly some pressure points within there, but that would uh, that would be one of them. Harry, I know you have two sets of or two pairs of limited edition shoes sitting in your office right now. Do you feel cooler because you have them and you're one of only a limited number of people that do? Yep. <laughs> uh, bottom line, yeah. I mean, limited edition stuff is cool. If, for example, the Mizuno irons that came out and they did a, a limited, I think it was what, 500 sets maybe? Um, they sold out in next to no time purely because they were different color. Uh, hell yeah, I'm going to go, if I had the money, I'm going to go buy them just because I don't want anyone else to Full have disclosure, them. Harry did not buy the iron. Check that. Yeah. If I had the money, I'd go buy it. I did. But <laughs> if, if it was the case, hell yeah. I definitely would buy anything limited edition because I don't want you to have it, basically. I, that, is, that is literally the... the That's what it is. The, that is um, it. I have something you don't. If you if you want to if you want to make an extra bit of money, make it just put words limited edition and cap them with numbers, and you're making a shit ton. Uh, I mean, I I'm a guy who likes I love the limited edition drivers, like the stuff like Cobra did the the one that was supposed to be for the for the U.S. Open this year that became like a Fourth of July driver, right? So the red, white, right, and blue really well executed. I love that kind of stuff because like, hey, we're doing this and it's fun. Uh, stuff around like limited edition putters, for example, where it's like, you know, the milling machine doesn't give a damn how many you make. There's <laughs> there's nothing inherently special about this except that you stop the run at 500 so that you could charge more for it. And I know that's that's part of the collectibles market, but at some point that that becomes a little bit absurd, I think. And then the other one is, you know, we, we talked. I'm glad Harry brought up Mizuno because that's a great example where, you know, I talked to Chris Vishal about it Um years ago really um and he was like yeah we we want to do a limited edition product something special but we don't want to do it in a way that devalues our other stuff because what we do now is really good and we we make a, a strong product we make it to tight tolerances and we don't want to throw something out at into the market that suggests that what we do in other places is somehow not as good as we can make it and so i think that's the right approach when you hear you know, some of these companies that do small batch stuff, limited runs, and they say, you know, we've we've made these to tighter tolerances, that kind of thing. I'm like, what the hell? So so you're saying like this other one that you put in out on the mass market for for golfers who don't have extra money to buy is of lower quality. That's that's your point of differentiation. And when you hear that, man, that that's where I roll my eyes. I'm like, come on, you know, that's that's just 
what are you what are you doing with golfers there how are you treating your consumers so there are good limited editions there are bad limited editions and then there's stuff that's just money grabs that's you know just is what it is i guess do you think we can collectively come up with our favorite limited edition thing that's that we've seen in the golf industry so far there's is so there many there? there's so many i liked the ventus the fujikura ventus that just came out the red white and blue um Ventus. I think that was pretty sweet. I love I love what Nike uh, again, Nike has swung and missed on pretty much every uh, apparel soft good thing here in the last couple of years. One thing they haven't swung and missed on though is the Jordan 5 stuff and uh, taking the kind of iconic shoes, basketball shoes from like my childhood. And so like the Jordan 5s, the rainbow edition ones, the peace love editions that they had for Harding Park TPC this year. Those are money. I have a pair. I wish they were here. I'd hold them up like this, but they're in my garage. Invisible shoes. Invisible shoes. I'm going back in time a little bit. Like this would have to be like maybe eight years ago. And so I suspect a lot of people aren't going to remember this, but it's one I I was like, this is cool. But over time, I'm like, this is actually just, this was really cool. And now with with Bryson talking about going to a 48-inch driver and it sort of like renewed my interest in this. So I don't know how many of you remember, but Cobra released what it called the Long Tom Driver. Yeah. And so this was a limited edition. It was 48 inches, ultralight component. So like ultralight shaft had like an ultralight foam grip. And the head on this thing that was was really cool. So raw, completely raw, unpainted. And then on different points on the head, they kind of had these little specifications, the measurements at distinct points of it on the head. And I thought... You know, at the time, you're like, this is cool. This is really different. But in my mind, this is like a limited edition that that really is just kind of held up over time now and becoming a little bit more relevant, even though it's been lost, largely forgotten the history. <laughs> but with Bryson, again, talking about going to 48-inch drivers and mashing the ball to kind of think back. And, you know, you know Cobra Cobra has done a little work in this this super ridiculous 48-inch driver space. So, um, and I'd also, yes, I'd be yeah. remiss not to point out Brooke Henderson plays a 48-inch ping driver. So let's, let's not, let's not forget that. So I don't get yelled at mostly, which is why I do most of the things around my house too. So anyway, yeah, Cobra long Tom driver. There you go. All right. I don't know if I have anything limited edition, like at all. You have a Super Bowl ring. Are Super Bowl rings considered limited edition? Yeah. Yeah. You got to win okay, it to get it. Then that's probably my favorite limited edition thing that I have. It's just pretty a cool. humble brag. Right. On that note, we out. No Putts Given is powered by My Golf Spy, the most extensive reviews in golf. Before you buy, My Golf Spy. Nine million readers do it every year. Check us out.